0: So despite the bright pastels of this season, the story of Easter begins in the dark. In the earliest morning hours when night had not yet given up the fight, Easter is born in confusion and uncertainty and bewilderment. For the friends and followers of Jesus The story that they thought was steady and indestructible had instead been shattered and was lying all around them in a thousand pieces. See, Jesus had been, for each of them, life-changing. He was, we could say, a story-breaker too. Meeting him, people would leave their jobs, their families, and follow him. He taught his students and friends to be keepers of a wild imagination, a bold and beautiful vision for a transformed world, a new kingdom, a kingdom of God, to use the language of his time. When I try to imagine what Jesus was like, I think of those people in my life who have inspired me to make a big change. Maybe you have a few in your life that are like this. People who, when you encountered them, your life just set off on as if on a whole new track. They're often people with a lot of charisma, but but not in a superficial sense, because that wouldn't be enough to make to inspire such a change. It's more like a deep, authentic integrity, a a deep warmth that just exudes from them authentically, there's also something there that kind of invites you into a sense of compassion, a depth of meaning. They are often incredible listeners as they make you feel seen and understood and loved. I think Jesus must have been all of these things and more. But then suddenly this amazing, life-changing person was just gone. Over a few days, Jesus had been tortured and killed by the oppressive state that many had hoped he had actually come to end. He had been treated not just without the dignity appropriate for who he was, the special person that he was, but executed as if his life didn't matter at all. And so there in the dark that was not yet day, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome came to see their way through. These women who loved him bravely, cautiously, tenderly collected the pieces of their shattered story and went to his tomb. They brought spices and oil to anoint his breathless body. They came as soon as the Sabbath broke, worrying the whole way how they would move that heavy stone that would surely be blocking their way in. But when they got there, the stone, it was already rolled back. And there, instead, there was a young man sitting there, still in the dark with the light just beginning to grow. They could barely see him. Who was he? Had he moved the stone? Why? They were scared and confused. What was happening? But the man told them, don't be afraid. You came looking for Jesus, but he is not here. And then he showed them the empty tomb. Their spices heavy in their hands. None of this made any sense. He has been raised, the man told them. Go and tell the others, all of his friends, his followers, tell everyone this story. The women were shocked and confused and afraid. The text says, actually, they were trembling. And so those women, they told no one. They said nothing. And that is the end of the Easter story in the gospel of Mark. We have three other versions of Jesus's life and death, three other gospels, only Mark ends in silence and trembling. Mark was the first gospel to be written. And even that it was written 70 years after Jesus died. I imagine in those early days of fear and darkness, the words were slow to form, and the desire to just move on must have been strong. It was all so confusing, his life, his death, the empty tomb, and even if they could make it all make sense, who would believe them? It was an impossible story. And as the days went on, even they started to wonder what the truth really was. Maybe best to try to forget it all, get back to regular life, swallow all the sorrow, explain away all the mystery. As we have inched closer to the end of COVID's grip, we find ourselves at a similar threshold still in the shadowy disorienting dark not yet in the light trying to make sense of death death from the virus death on trial in minneapolis death in supermarkets and spas senseless bewildering deaths and still in the not too far off distance we can see something else beginning to rise A new beginning, an opening to imagination, as Elaine urged last week. I've heard some happy comparisons with the end of the last global pandemic that was the Spanish flu of 1918-19, because on the other side of that illness, the roaring 20s, and I am definitely for a future that includes more flapper dresses and jazz clubs and what i also know about those days following the spanish flu is that for a long time it was known it was known as the forgotten pandemic even though it killed over 50 million people worldwide even though it struck young people so swiftly you could be healthy at breakfast and dead by the end of the day It was forgotten. It was forgotten because world leaders were afraid that if we spoke about it, if we told the story too much, if we talked about its impact or counted the cases too intently, it might bring down morale for the ongoing war effort just concluding or afterwards cause a panic that would reduce partnership that could ensure a lasting peace. And so in that threshold time, none of the stories of illness were compiled. No stories were told. People just moved on. I mean, think of how many must have known grief and loss, and yet without any collective storytelling, they just didn't have the strength or the space. They could only just go forward, try to forget, bring on the roaring 20s. 2,000 years ago, 100 years ago, today. Humans are masterful amnesiacs, especially after trauma and harm. We hide from the truth and the all too much that comes with it, too much pain or shame or uncertainty. The stone is too heavy to roll back and set it free. And so we push it all down, push through, move on as if silence could bring Salvation. When really that mysterious young man at the tomb was right, we must tell the story. As theologian Serene Jones says, with individual and collective trauma, the harm, it haunts you, haunts your dreams as an individual, haunts your collective unconscious as a society until you tell the story until you face the truth of what has happened. Humans need our stories in ways not too different than the ways we need food and water and love. Telling and hearing each other in our stories does not actually induce fear or division or cause more pain. Failing to hear and tell our stories does that. And so before we push on, all of us to the light of day we need to pause here pause to listen and tell and hear slowly sorting out together the fullness and the brokenness of our true stories we need to tell our lessons that have been learned through loss and we need to hear how it felt to carry fear for so close for so long We need to tell the shifts we saw in our priorities and purpose. And we need to hear from teachers and ER nurses, bartenders and grocery works about what it felt like to be so-called essential. We need to hear the trauma of white supremacy, which is not new, though some of our understanding is, and we need to hear our will to change. We need to tell about Zoom birthdays and ICU FaceTime calls, lapses in recovery and the apocalyptic ash that fell from the sky. And we need to hear our longing for touch, how deeply we miss the sounds of shared laughter and the vibration of shared song. Resurrection requires remembering Resurrection requires telling. And so let us tell and hear and heal and rise.